There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Ben, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. We start off so loud, and then we kind of get into a little slump. Well, we're happy we're announcers. <laughs> we're here. Also, for some reason in my head, I was expecting your other podcast intro to come out of your mouth. I don't have an intro for that one. Well, I used to. You used to. And then we got theme music, and that kind of took my intro away from me, and I've been lost for over a year. <laughs> haven't come up with a new intro. That's the saddest thing. I also haven't figured out a way to sign off yet on either show, so. You really haven't, no. No. So you're really good at, like, the middle bit. Yeah, it's like, I don't have a fun catchphrase. Do you want to, one? To sign off with. Do you want one? I mean, I have a catchphrase, but it's a terrible sign off. Yes, it's also not podcast appropriate. New episode, new season. And we're back with Buffy. Season 10. I didn't think about that for a second. Yes, season 10. Yeah, and the arc is called New Rules, and it's weird because it's not in this, like, giant edition. We've been reading them in these, like, giant editions. The library editions. Is that what they're called? We've talked about this on the show. Well, whatever. I only half listened. So, I'm very used to these oversized, like... I know, we're back to this floppy little trade. I kind of like it. I prefer oversized hardcovers. I prefer the floppy trade because it's more portable. They live in the house. The oversized hardcover is the size of my torso. Lives in the house. We live in the house. I know, but that's like a lot of effort to read when it's the size of my torso. You can't even deny that. House book. Still though, in any case, it's a trade this time because season 10 is new enough now that we're not into the other editions. Yeah, they like to make their money like this first, then double down and get suckers like me to pay for it twice or thrice if you get the floppies. And that's also true of you, so that's depressing. Now I get them at a pretty good discount. Now you do, yeah. But back in the day, do you remember when you used to buy the variant covers as well for everything? Just for Buffy and Angel. I know, that's what I meant. That's what we're talking about. Oh, I thought you said everything. We didn't buy every variant. Yeah, and then I sold them for cash. Cash money. I know, I remember. I had to type them all into a system. The inventory. The summer of inventory. Boo. Not the most fun summer. Immediately detracting from this. We are talking new <laughs> new rules. Written, at least for the first two issues, by Christos Gage. Art by Rebecca Isaacs, and coming on issues three through five, and then, I guess for the rest of the season, I think, Nicholas Brendan, or Xander. Probably his real name, Nicholas Brendan. Probably just Xander. I think it's really Xander. He does our, or he does half our intro. I know. I was there. Oh, you did it. I know. (laughs) We talked about that. Never again. Never again. It's so weird, as all the cons that we've worked since then, we haven't run into another Buffy actor or actress. Will we at Rhode Island? I don't know. I'd have to look. I don't know. That one's our best bet. Probably. Detracting again. In any case, we're going to be at the Rhode Island Comic Con if anybody wants to come hang out with us. This episode might be out by then? I don't know. I get sometimes a wee bit bored, so come talk to us <laughs> and buy things. So this is the creative team that was on Angel last year. But now they're on Buffy. Yeah, they did. They got upgraded. They went to the main series book. People went, hey, I like your style. And thus. And shuffled them over. Here we are. It's also a little bit strange going into Buffy without George's Genty as our main artist. I know, I miss him. He's going to come back and do other stuff, but for the most part, yeah, he's done other stuff in the world, or world too. Like, he uh, did the most recent run of Serenity books. Oh. He, I think he might have done the last two runs of Serenity books. Well, that's good. Yeah. So, I mean, still doing his thing. Mm-hmm. And he just did a Buffy issue very recently, so hey, in season 11. 
But let's get going with our premiere. So we open up in Santa Rosita, California, which is the home of Billy and Cute Devin. We like one more than the other. Cute Devin. We both like Cute Devin better. Also, he's never been noticed. He was only noticed Cute Devin in that first issue, but it works well. It stuck with me. Yeah. So Buffy is back in Santa Rosita. Has she ever been there? Unclear. She did. Why does she show up on that random rooftop? She's like, you're part of a team for some reason. Anyway, so she's back. <laughs> and she's slaying vampires. Zompires, more specifically. And she's waxing nostalgic for the days of old, when that's basically all that she did, minus the zompire. Yeah, went into an alley, staked a vampire, called it a day. Maybe there was a monster of the week. And she said it's downright nostalgic. One behind her. A red-headed vampire who we closed out last season with approaches Buffy from behind and snatches a stake out of her hand. We know it's the same vampire as last time because she's wearing some fancy striped tights. Speaking of those worms from Beetlejuice. What? It looks the same stripe pattern. Oh, we you brought... mean stripes? No, same color scheme. Oh, okay. We talked about the Beetlejuice worms in the Willow episode because I just edited that one, so it's in my brain. Oh, well, there you go. And instead of the vampire staking Buffy, she turns around and stakes one of the zompires. Twist! And she tells Buffy that she's got her back. And thus, we are into new rules. Because Buffy's teaming up with vampires. What? Yeah, I don't Wait. know if that really counts as a new <laughs> rule ever, because literally that's everything that Buffy has ever done. Just with the two of them. Yeah. The first episode starts out with Buffy collaborating with a vampire well he mostly just stood in the shadows and gave exposition except for those times he wasn't really in the shadows and was more in direct sunlight and he also gave her a cross to help her out yeah so mostly exposition working with a vampire or a lot of velvet that season velvet is soft and lovely when was the last time you touched velvet actually velvet's back velvet is lovely to touch but this alliance is short-lived as vicky the vampire which they make fun of, as they should. She also makes fun of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which they should make fun of as well. And the two are about to throw down after their victory over the Zompires when Spike jumps into the mix and basically says, shut up, let's do what we're here to do. But with more words. Yeah, and so we find out that the common enemy for everybody are the Zompires. That the new vampires, because now there's magic again, so they're back to being real vampires, they don't like the Zompires because they're just detracting from vampiring vampiring i guess and obviously the people don't like them because terrible are harmony's rules still on i doubt it i don't remember i feel like they're not i feel like the zompires kind of these are new rules okay so i'm gonna go with the no but seeing as this is a season premiere it's gonna be a very premiery kind of arc first we get buffy then we get spike and when the alliance is back together in pops willow and she has two people with her that they need to get to a safe zone because that's what they're doing they're cleaning up and putting people in safe zones and a van appears with andrew inside and he's wearing a bandolier full of stakes if we're going with the movie reference it could have been filled with smoke grenades but these are definitely stakes yeah i know but he opens up the van door goes Come with me if you want to live. Oh, is that what you're referring to? I don't even know what that's from. Terminator 2. Well, and Terminator 1. And every other Terminator, actually. I watched those, but I didn't really like them. One or two. Don't you remember this? The rest didn't happen. Yeah, I know. In your world, they didn't. They don't anymore. And in my world, none of them happened ever. The last three don't happen anymore. According to whom? Uh, Rights revert back to James Cameron next year. Why? Because that's how long he sold the rights for. Oh, okay. And Deadpool director Tim Miller is going to do it with Cameron producing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
Huh. Yeah. But do you remember how I didn't really like them? Remember how I didn't like 3, 4, 5? Remember how I had to sit through 3, 4, 5? Remember how we saw 5 in the theaters and I got so angry but I couldn't say anything because we were in a movie theater? I know. Your face turned such funny colors. The best part of that movie was the Creed trailer that dropped that day. Anyway, back to this. Didn't know that's what that reference was from. But we find out that Don is the driver. Yeah, so Don, good for Don. Don shoves Andrew out of the way. She's like, stop doing that. He's like, I almost have the accent down. I'm not really sure when Don learned to drive because... Well, she's a college-age kid. Yeah, but when has she really had time to learn to drive? She drove Xander's car in season seven after she tased him. Yeah, when did she have time to learn that, though? I don't know. We don't see everything they do. So she just casually fit in some driver's ed? Driver's ed takes a long time. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. It's 30 hours of your life. Maybe the monks put it in there. Maybe. I like that as a fun answer to everything. And the humans jump inside the van and they speed away. I like Don's top. Yeah, it's very 80s. I don't know, maybe that's why I like it. It's, it's, um, for those of you who aren't actively looking at this panel, it's an off-the-shoulder kind of sweatshirt thing with a tank top. It looks comfortable. The van drives away with Buffy and Spike jumping behind and Willow floats up into the air, shooting all the zompires away, saying that she has this, but wait, she doesn't have this because magic is slightly different now and Willow is still working out her powers. Helpfully, inner monologue Buffy reminds us that Giles is still dead in their minds because I'd kind of forgotten that fact, that not everybody knew that Giles was back. Also, why don't, you know, the <laughs> angel team... a couple team, of times. Why don't they just, like, pick up the phone and be like, hey, by the by, we brought Giles back, he's on his way to you, like a normal person! Is that really a phone call? Is it just a show up thing? With a 12 year old being like, this is Giles now? I don't know. Feels more appropriate than sit down. Like, are you standing? Sit down. I have some news. Do you remember how I snapped a guy's neck? You get Faith to make the call. Don't make Angel do it. He's terrible at these things anyway. Faith would just be like, this happened. Get over it. He's coming to you. So the Zompires rush the van that Willow can't protect, and Buffy and Spike double team the Zompires, and Buffy's like, Thank God we don't have any sexual tension anymore. We're professionals, except for all the sexual tension we have. But I do appreciate that they are standing on, like, this weird little platform of stakes coming out of the back of the van. Yeah, we have another gun van situation, except these aren't just stakes in the front, they're stakes in the back. So it all works. That van cannot fit into a parallel parking space. No. It also has stakes on the front, too, so... That's why I said stakes in the front and stakes in the back. Yeah. Because of the front stakes. I want a steak now. <laughs> grocery store still open? No. Okay. Grocery store. We live in the middle of nowhere. It closes at 10. So I guess it is still open. But not for very long. You can't make it there. Mm. You have nine minutes. Can we do a three minute podcast? Yes. Okay. It's fine. Podcast over. Let's get steak. <laughs> and Don calls ahead to Xander as the van rushes towards him, seeing if he's good to go. Xander has a little bit of stubble because he's sad, Xander. And only sad people have stubble. Huh. Remember that time you shaved off all your hair and you had stubble on your head? That wasn't a sad not beard. That was just I was bald. Mm, it was sad, though. I was 2007-ing Britney-ing that, yo. Did she have a beard? Yeah, his name was Kevin Federline. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Anyway, we find out through monologue Buffy that Don and Xander are kind of on the rocks. Like She hasn't forgiven him yet for that whole betrayal thing. Well, it's just super awkward. Like, they can't have a normal conversation... Without getting sad at each other. Yeah, without just being weird at each other. It's not even like they're mad at each other. They're just not in step anymore. And Xander is complaining about his relationship woes to someone off panel. And who might it be? But Ghost Anya, which later on in this arc, she'll mention 
that she doesn't call him Corporeal Xander, and I think that is a hilarious line. It is a good line. Like, stop calling me Ghost Anya. <laughs> but it is Ghost Anya. It is the ghost of Anya. Ooh. She's not there to be spooky, though. No. She's mostly there to kind of negate Xander. Yeah, she's there to kind of be the angel and devil rolled into one on his shoulder. She's there to be Anya, to go, this is stupid, you're stupid, everything is stupid. Yeah. Which is kind of what her role was in the show. Yeah, but I missed her and I was very glad to have her back. And Xander's like, please stop pecking away um, my self-esteem. I needed to kill some vampires. And we find out as well that Xander doesn't know why Anya's here either. So we're all kind of in this mystery together. But it becomes pretty clear that he has never, he has not mentioned these Anya sightings to anybody else. So Anya is a fun mystery. And no one else can see her. She also insinuates he's probably just has like brain cancer or something. And a tumor is pushing on his brain in the wrong way to make him hallucinate. She's a positive ghost. She was a positive revenge demon as well. Oh, side note, if you don't know Anya, some people don't. They just listen, they listen to the show team. independently for some reason. Welcome, independent listeners. Anya, she used to be a vengeance demon, then she wasn't, then her and Xander got engaged, and then he left her at the altar, and then she got sliced in half in the finale because someone has to die in the finale. According to whom? Those are not my rules ever. I don't recommend you watch the Parks and Rec finale. Who dies? No one. I'm just messing with you. I also don't watch finales, dear listener. It's a weird thing. But neither does my sister. Such a I weird thing. I found that out the other day. We independently <laughs> developed this particular quirk. Such a weird thing. We don't like finales, evidently. <laughs> I don't like finales. And the way that we're going to kill all these vampires is with a bunch of tanning beds. Because I guess that works as a sunlight replacement. It's kind of clever. So the van drives through Xander plugs of the tanning beds and all of the vampires go... Nope, that's not the noise they make. Nope. Oh, I guess wash is the sound of the tanning, sound of the tanning beds turning on. Haft is the sound of them dusting. And the battle is won. And then for some reason, Billy's there with cute Devin and Anaheed. Well, it's their town. They have more of a right to be here than anybody else, except for Anaheed, who just like latched onto Billy. It is now Billy's BFF. They didn't really need to be here in the story. I was happy sending him away at the end of last season. And by happy, that one shot itself was unnecessary. But you know what? I still like cute Devin. Anaheed's fine. Yeah. Billy's the worst. Billy got better. Billy was the worst in that one shot, and then he... It was a two-parter. Was it really? Yeah. I just mushed it into one of my head. Yes. Billy became more... Tolerable? I was gonna say functional. He just needed a job in this world. Now he has one. But all the vampires of this town are dead, and that means the shaky alliance between Buffy and the vampires is now off. They're about to throw down, but Buffy's like, haha, we can't fight because the sun is coming up. But little does Buffy know, the sun does not affect these particular vampires. And now the truce is super off because, you know, they can fight in the sunlight. Yeah. So Spike was run inside of a liquor store to hide from Mr. Sunshine. He's like, oh, we can go in the sun now. He tries to run out and immediately gets burned. Yeah. It's not very smart on his part. I don't know. He's like, oh, we can do that now. Yeah, but the nice part is that Buffy can still dust vampires with stakes and beheadings and all that good stuff. Because these vampires aren't just regular old vampires anymore. These vampires are extra durable. And also they can transform into animals. And they're stronger. So do you they... think that they can transform into like a multitude of animals? Like if you transform into a bat, do you always transform into a bat? Or can you also like choose to be... I think they got the whole range of there. They have a panther, a wolf, a, a giant bat, a swarm of bees... A fog. That's an animal now? A fog. 
Like the rest of them were animals. And then fog. Yeah. But my favorite is the panther. The night panther? Yes. Like, like the, Bagheera. I like that it's called a night panther. In the jungle book. We watched that. Yes. And Buffy tells everyone to run away inside the liquor store. The safest place on earth. And by everybody, she means the humans. Yeah. So Andrew, Xander, Don, Buffy, and Willow are taking on these vampires, but they're losing. They can't quite win. Spike's like, we need to help Buffy, so let's make some Molotov cocktails out of Andrew's shirt. Which is, you know, a pretty good idea. Also, Andrew has abs now. They're comic book characters. They can have abs in every panel without any effort all the time. And they start throwing bombs, but still the battle is lost. And Buffy says to herself, there's no one left to help us. We're all going to die. And then, just like Gandalf riding over that ledge... Faith rolls in and just starts chopping off heads. I prefer to think of her as Gandalf, the white. She's Faith with weird swords. Hey, you know, they're effective and she's killing things. She also is dressed like Han Solo. She is dressed like Han... <laughs> like, she even has, like, the stripe the going stripe down her pants. The stripe of the pants, yeah. Her boots, her vest... <laughs> I feel like you didn't actually believe me on this. My God, if she was wearing a white shirt instead of a red shirt, yeah, she's just, she's Han Solo. Maybe she was at Comic-Con. She got like... Side note, do you think there's going to be any Han Solos there tomorrow? Probably. You know what my new favorite cosplay is now that Logan came out? The older gentleman cosplay? Like the Wolverine who has let himself go. (laughs) (laughs) I call it Trailer Park Wolverine. Yeah. Because there's always like guys who really aren't in shape, but they're like, oh, I'm older, so if I just get some mutton chops and a wife beater on, then I'm Wolverine. Like, this is what happened when Wolverine let himself go. Okay, my favorite part about these Logan cosplayers is that so many of them commit to the actual beard situation. Like, they actually shave the middle part of their beard, and it is a commitment. Like, you can't do that in real life. What's funny is... is I mean, I guess you can, but... He had a full beard through most of that movie. They could just grow a beard. No, but everybody's choosing to do... The mutton chops. The strip down the middle. But it's it's like, it's far more beard than mutton chops. It's like a one and a half inch strip down the middle of your chin that's gone. And that is a commitment. Don't do that either. No, I'm planning on it. Well, I wasn't planning on you shaving your head that time. But Faith has returned from England and Buffy's like, you're not in England. She's like, yeah, clearly. Right here. Also, Kennedy and her slayers come because, obviously, they had the plane. And actually, something I really like here is we see Leah. She was one of the slayers in season eight who would pop up from time to time. Continuity. Um, I also like that Kennedy's just, like, in charge and doing things, and she jumps right into battle and doesn't talk to anybody. You know, there's no, like, what? You're here. You're here. It's just, like, she starts commanding her troops. With Kennedy rolling up, now is a good time as any to talk about the art in this issue. Like, this was the artist that was on last season. Of Angel. Yeah. Overall, for this first arc, you can feel some of the growing pains in there. Uh, Rebecca Isaacs does a great job on Buffy, especially. Like, th- there seems to be extra detail paid to Buffy. Like, especially in the hair. I always feel like Buffy has more detailed hair than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Also, Faith looks great, but Faith... She also she's drew Faith. very used to drawing. For 20-something issues. Faith, she has down. Everyone else, you kind of feel uh, her growing into a little bit more. And the page layouts feel a little bit restrained this time. Like, there's nothing really breaking the mold. It's all pretty standard stuff. Which, as the season goes on, I mean, that's writing, art, whatever. Usually when you start something, you're not opening with your strongest stuff. No. Um, but it also feels like I'm detracting a lot from it. I really don't mean it that way. It's just there's a very clear line where everyone gets more comfortable with what they're doing. Right. All of the characters still look good. But Andrew's face changes a couple times. And it's clearly Andrew. But eventually we settle on what Andrew is going to look like. And that's cool. But all of them are clearly Andrew. It's just 
a little bit different. Like his face will be a little bit rounder or like his face in this panel is quite a bit rounder than it is down here. And they're both clearly Andrew. And they're both really good interpretations. It's just they're not the same interpretation. That's kind of yeah. what it is more than anything. And we'll get there. It's not going to take that long. It's not like there's a massive amount of growing pains, but both. And it also goes for the writing too. I mean, you get more comfortable as you go along throughout the season. And the season is going to get progressively better. This first arc has a very, and I mean, it is, it has a very season premiere kind of feel like, and here's this one, and here's this one, and here's this one. Yeah. And we're opening with some action, trying to draw you right in. But overall, it looks really good, especially for somebody who just jumped on this book. But that was a good place to stop because let's continue with the arc. As Kennedy and her slayers jump in, we hear someone shooting spells in Latin. And Willow's like, who does that in a dead language? New magic. Say whatever you want. And I really enjoy this as a lead, as an opener for Giles. Yeah, and of course it's Giles. JK, it's Giles. We also knew that. I'm sure that's lovely for those of you who never bothered to master the correct pronunciation, despite my best efforts. But as long as I know Latin, I'll use it. Thank you very much. Did you ever want to learn Latin? Never. Why not? I know English. So? Language of the world. Good lord. You're all done. Willow's the first to react. Just everyone starts just saying Giles. It's all very quiet, understated. Conveniently, no vampires attack them during this interlude. Well, some do because Buffy runs to Giles, has to kill a few vampires on her way. Giles zaps a few of them too because he's all magical and stuff now. And they just run to each other and hug and they both start to cry also jazz is wearing a really nice diamond patterned sweater vest through this whole thing and a sport jacket so i enjoy that in a 12 year old well yeah he's still dressing like giles just tiny giles yeah and buffy's first reaction is you're so little yeah i get that every day of my life i got that today and buffy with a renewed sense of ass kicking says that it sucks to be them meaning the vampires because they're all going to fight now, except for Spike, who's still in a liquor store. And thus we move on to issue two, where the fight is still continuing. I mean, this is the most unity we've had in a good long while, really, since... Uh, I'm going to say the end of season seven, I guess. Even though they were still kind of split up then. Yeah, the last time that all these characters were together fighting alongside each other is... Uh, never? Probably not. Now that I'm saying it out loud, because I mean, in the end of season eight, they were all there, but they were all pretty split up. At the end of season seven, same thing. They were all kind of split up on different fronts. Yeah, this is kind of the most cohesive fight we've seen. In a while. Ever. And you really love ensemble things. I mean, not all the characters there, but I'm going to say since the season five finale. Wow. A long time ago. Yeah, because they always end up getting split up in one form or another. But they're all back together again. The gang's all back together. Hooray. Was that the most enthusiasm you could for that? I don't know. I mean, I no, right. I like it. Hey, that Giles moment, that's emotional stuff, man. Which one? When he hugs Buffy and they're both crying. Oh, yeah, that was sad it's and happy. Happy sad. It's a sappy. sappy. Yeah. That's not great. That's not great. Oh, yeah, and Kennedy's there. Mm-hmm. So obviously she and Willow start bickering about, not bickering really, but comparing a little bit how well, well they've done when since I'm they just, broke up. Yeah, Willow's like, magic's back. And Kennedy's like, I'm super rich. <laughs> Kennedy so good wins. For Kennedy, yeah, like way to go, Kennedy. <laughs> and they get back to killing because that's preferred. And we do get a new established thing this season, which I really like. We're going to see it both on the Buffy and Angel side that guns can kill vampires if you just shoot their brains out. Which makes sense, I guess. Makes a lot of sense. Do they have to have a silver bullet? Because Kennedy no. does talk about silver bullets. Well, she also says she doesn't know, and no, based on what we see later in the season, I'm going to say no. As long as you just blow their brains out with a gun, that'll do it too. Okay. 
and a swarm of bees almost gets Spike. But thankfully, he's in a liquor store and he just, you know... Breathes fire at them. Yeah. Gets a lighter, gets a relatively high-proof bottle of booze, fireballs the bees to death. What if a few of the bees live? Fireball. What if he used fireball? That would have been funnier. I know. You should be writing these. You shouldn't. I shouldn't. You'd be like, and everyone was happy forever no matter what. I'd be like, and then everybody was friends. And then they all ate pizza. And then some of them took shots of fireball when they felt like it with their friends. But nobody had to take shots of fireball. They didn't want to. And the vampires decide, with the additional help of a small boy in faith, that they are now losing this battle in retreat by turning into giant bats and flying away. Um, you also skipped over the whole Kennedy and all of the other slayers on the plane part. Oh yeah, they're there too, aren't they? Yeah, like the super useful part. Yeah, they don't do much. They also immediately leave, like, okay, bye. Well, once the vampires leave, then the people who are helping them leave. I don't know where they go exactly, but they leave. And everyone has their reunion with Giles. Xander refuses to stop tossing his hair. I bet it's probably fun. To tossle a young boy's hair who used to be a middle-aged man. Well, when you say it like that, it's weird. Faith at least has the courtesy to kind of say goodbye to us. Yeah, she's like, oh, hey, I was just here for a quick cameo. Um, I'm going to run off with Kennedy because I'm going to get paid and sell out. It's awesome. She's like, who would turn that down? And Buffy's like, huh, funny. No one I know? Buffy, why did you turn that down? It's a dumb plan. Dumb plan. And then speaking of cameos, Co rolls up for some reason. Yeah, with his circle hands. Just to say, hey, I'm Co. Remember me? My family was killed by some kind of ancient demon. And then he just kind of hangs around with Buffy for the rest of ever now. And leaves. This is kind of a weird moment for me. Buffy kind of bows to him. She's like, your debt is paid. Yeah. Is that part of the the Toby code? You have to bow? I doubt That's it. That's a weird moment. But... She's like, yeah, I can't really help you out with your quest to figure out what happened to your family because the only one who actually knew was Illyria. No, no, only Wolfram and Hart knew. Well, I guess Illyria technically knows too. You know, because it wasn't Illyria. Right. Well, no, she said Illyria had that. Illyria had the name of the traitor. In any case, Buffy is still like, yeah, well, I killed Illyria, so sorry about that. He's like, killed? You know nothing about old ones. Side note, she's definitely not dead. This is the second time I've said this. Don't worry about it really spoiling any surprise here, Co. Also, I wonder what millennia old demon killed your family. Was it Anya? To be fair. It could have been. Yeah, it was actually was not that terrible. Yeah, but Anya's been gone all this time. Yeah, but you know, she could have. I guess. Then maybe you would have to kill Xander. Yeah, you could have gone that angle. But Anya's not a millennia old, though. She's just like a thousand or something. The second it was out of my mouth, <laughs> I regretted it. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> But because it's late, and because it's a Friday, I thought about it too. Look, I just know that from the Willennium album. From the what? Willennium. Is that like the Backstreet Boys Millennium album? That was Will Smith's. Or is that like the Barbra Streisand Millennium concert? I just told you what it was. I also know that one by heart. I miss Babs. But we leave Billy, Cute Devin, and Anaheed behind. Glad they showed up for nothing. They're watching planes again. That's a weird pastime. And they fly back to San Francisco, where... Giles is thankfully back to do what he does best. Yay, Giles. Give us some exposition. Actually, Xander even says that. Oh, he does. It's true, though. That's Giles' role. He's like, all right. That was some nice exposition. We're back, baby. And Buffy gives Giles the vampire book. That. I can't not do it like that. The last time we looked at was empty because Buffy had rewritten the rules of magic and thus that was no longer applicable. Except a few pages have been written in and apparently as you go along, the rules of magic are writing themselves. Which is scary and alarming. It also looks like Spike raided the liquor store. Why are you surprised by that? 
That's fair. You, of course, raided the liquor store. We just didn't see it happen. We go back to San Francisco to Xandra and Don's apartment, because I guess this is our new base of operations, and everyone is hitting up Giles with a million questions. Where does Willow live? That's my question. Apartment. Where? I don't know, San Francisco. That's not very helpful. Look, does Buffy still live with Anaheed? Because Anaheed now is in Santa Rosita. We're going to deal with the living situation soon enough. I want to deal with it now. Sorry. <laughs> is this like a Boy Meets World situation where they have the same three rooms that everybody gets moved around from? Or like friends? It becomes a little bit like friends, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit like Boy Meets World. But there's the apartment, just they're rotating people through it. Oh, yeah. It took me a second. Yeah, I got the college there. version of Boy Meets World. Yeah, yeah, I got there. And everyone is asking Giles a million questions, and Giles, being the prepubescent little ball of hormones that he is, has a little meltdown. He has a tiny meltdown because he's a tiny person. Your tiny people don't always have tiny meltdowns. I feel like you should know this at this point in your life. And Giles basically says, I can't be your father figure anymore. Presumptuous of yourself. I know. I thought that was quite the leap to make, except he is the father figure, but it's a weird thing for a 12-year-old to say. Yeah. Because I'm not that guy anymore. I'm a tiny little man with tiny little hormones. Big hormones, actually. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Well, he does. Let's not dwell on that. And they basically go, oh, yeah, I guess we have to get our lives together, seeing as how we're in our late 20s at this point. Yeah. Buffy also made a weird mention in the monologue earlier. She's like, everything's been going downhill since Giles left for England. I'm like, which time? In season six or when he did it with Faith in season eight? I think... Because if he did the season six one, that was like 2001. Get over it. That was a while ago. Things have been going ago. really poorly for 16 years. Ever since... Well, yeah. I think... I would still put... Timeline-wise, I would put this around like 2010. So either way... Nine years. <laughs> yeah. Nine years. Or let's preferably go with the... um. Time he went to England with Faith, let's say two years. Yes. And they're going to go try and figure things out. And Spike's like, hey, how about Dowling? You know, that guy who ran a vampire task force? And Buffy goes, oh, crap, I forgot about Dowling. Right. I haven't seen him since Illyria teleported me away, and then he got attacked by vampires. Yeah, she's like, I don't even know if he's still in the hospital. Like, this is not good. And Buffy's like, I can't see him alone. Spike, come with me. It won't be weird. Because you're my ex, and... Dowling and I were starting to do a thing, so let's make this as weird as possible. I know. Why wouldn't you take, like, Andrew with you or something? And then we get to Dowling's door, and he's weirdly positive. He just opens up the door. He's like, hey, guys, how's it going? I know. So he's happy to see you. To see them. He is. It's like, do you guys want a microbrew? There's an app on my phone where you can select how many you've had. That app exists. Do you have it? No. Why not? Does it exist in your head? It's more of that. And Buffy asks Spike to leave, despite asking Spike to come along. It's weird. And she's like... I don't think that we can see each other. To Dowling, not to Spike. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Just to be clear. No clarification there on my end. I don't think we can see each other because you're normal and I'm a slayer and it will never work. He's like, yeah, that sounds good. We're going to be working together. I like you a lot. I really like your Buffy voice. Can you just do that again for me? I prefer my my upbeat Dowling voice. It's like, like you a lot. You're a nice lady. We're going to be working together. See you around the office. Your upbeat Dowling voice is very similar to your dog voice. But I really miss the Buffy voice, so. Gives her a quick peck on the forehead, and then he's like, get on out of here, you crazy kid. I'll see you around. Yeah. So Buffy goes back out in the street with Spike, and she's like, so he did okay with it. And Spike's like, it's terrible. It's a terrible guy. I told him we shouldn't see each other, and he agreed. She's so mad about this. I know. Buffy is not used to being the rejected one. No, except the irony is that she rejected him and then was annoyed that her rejection was mutual. But Buffy's complaining to Spike. She's like, all my relationships have been terrible. Every single one of them across the board, no matter what, every one of them is awful. And Spike's like, I'm going to go get a beer. Except to be fair, that's true. 
Even Spike says something in his little monologue bit where Spike's like, it wasn't a good idea. It was terrible for everybody. But over in our other plot, aside from Buffy's love life, Xander and Don are on their way to Transylvania. Yes. With all these Dracula-esque powers popping up, they're off to see Dracula. Which makes sense. And Xander's going because he was Dracula's manservant. He knows them the best. They're buds. They spent a summer together once. And Don is going because Buffy made Don go too. So they could have some alone time together. But some neither awkward, of them want awkward it. alone time. Yeah. And they arrive at Dracula's castle about to go in. And Xander starts questioning Don about their relationship. And just as Don is about to give some kind of big revelation, Dracula opens the door and calls Don a peasant. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is better than the time he called Renee Xander's Moore. Remember that? I kind of forgot about it, but yeah. Going back away. And immediately Xander becomes attached again as the Enthralled. Enthralled is a great word for this. He yells at Dracula. He's like, I'm not going to be that thing, except I totally am your manservant, my master. Damn it. Yeah. Xander's really upset that this is still a thing. And we see Butterfield, Dracula's tiny little purple manservant, his new one. He's been around for a while. He's kind of like a purple Oompa Loompa. Except that Butterfield's job is to arrange the weekly Tuesday night orgies, and Dracula complains. What an awkward night, Tuesdays. <laughs> for an orgy. For anything. But So this is where it kind of lost me a little bit. Not the orgy thing, because um, Dracula shoes Butterfield away. He's like, I think he's fallen for the orgy lie master, because Dracula's trying to impress Xander for some reason. So he lies about the orgies, but then in the background, Don picks up like this BDSM kind of whip. I didn't even notice that. So what, is he really committing to the orgy lie? Or, or is he just into BDSM he, with like one or two people, not quite qualifying as an orgy? I don't know. I don't actually know. I really, this panel brings up so many questions for me. Yeah, I don't know the answer to any of those questions. He didn't know Xander was coming, so it's not like he could like have planted that there ahead of time. No, unless he, I don't know. Unless he sends, I don't know. There's no, there's no good way of getting there. I think he's just in the BDSM, just not orgy levels. Anyway, moving on. I don't want to. Why don't you want to move on from this? I don't know. I just want to get there. I want weird. to find the answer. Being weird. And as we turn the page, we get more weird questions into Dracula's sex life as we see a toppled head with lipstick all over the face. Like yeah. a, a statue head. What yeah. do you call that? A bust. A bust. <laughs> a statue head? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we see a stone bust with lipstick marks all over it. So was Dracula wearing lipstick? What's happening here? Or was the stone bust part of the orgy? There was no orgy. Well, I know we got that much. So who kissed the stone bust? Who was getting whipped? Who had lipstick? It's all Butterfield. But Xander slams a table, demanding Dracula's respect. Dracula says he doesn't need to give respect for he is Dracula and lightning strikes through the night and Don is like, whoa, he did it by himself. He has lightning powers. Yeah, she's suitably impressed by Dracula doing all the classic cliche Dracula things. And Xander kind of pulls back curtain a little bit. He's like, you can just sense when it's coming. He can't actually make the lightning happen. He's like, yeah, you know what? Tell all my secrets. And Xander lays down the law. He's like, hey, some vampires have Dracula powers just like they did in Japan. And Dracula gets racist again. He's like, I would never give Orientals my secrets a second time. And Xander's like, well, racism aside here, we know that they're not actually your powers because you're kind of like a Polaroid and these guys are like Instagram. See Instagram? He actually does. Yeah. Is that how current this is? When did Instagram get started? A million years ago. Did it really? Yeah. Oh. I feel like that app's like 10 years old. I don't know. 
isn't really big on the social medias ever. But anyway, somehow Dracula gets the Instagram versus Polaroid reference. And Dracula gets upset when Xander's like, hey, and they can go out in the sunlight. He's like, they can do what now? And that's Even what... Dracula can't do that. I'm going to go get to the bottom of this. Yeah, and so Dracula's like... To America! Nope, but he says, have your child bride pack my trunks. To which Xander's response is, she's street legal? Not helping. Not helping anything at all. Also, Don doesn't really say anything in this exchange. I would just not do well with that. And then Dracula, again, getting into his weird sex life, goes to Xander, take special care of my undergarments. If some went missing, I doubt I'd even notice. So weird. What is Dracula into? He's into some weird stuff. Do you remember that thing on the news the other day? About that kid who stole 70 pairs of underwear? Oh yeah, that was weird. Yeah. That's what that reminds me of. But we're going to get a kind of a weird timeline thing here. They get back to San Francisco, apparently part ways immediately. Dracula goes to some bluffs where vampires are about to sire humans. Then Buffy shows up at the same bluffs. Xander isn't here. Like, it's unclear when they split ways. Yeah, I'm not sure how Dracula knew where to go specifically. Or how we knew that, yeah, or how we knew that the vampires were going to be meeting with humans in this particular place. None of this was really clear, but all of a sudden everybody's here except for the people who brought Dracula. So, yeah, for whatever. Not sure. And this seems like it's their first interaction. It doesn't seem like they met up earlier than this. But Buffy shows up to meet with Dracula, stakes some vampires, and so does Spike. Spike shows up too to help kill some things. And so does Willow. That's what everybody does. Let's just bring the super people here. So Willow does something kind of cool. One of the vampires turns into a mist because you can't really stake a mist. But instead, Willow changes some of her water into holy water and then turns that into a mist. And then the mists attack each other and the vampire is dusted. It was fog and then it was dust because of holy mist. That's super confusing. Hey, it works. Kind of. And Spike approaches Dracula and he's like, hey, how's it going? You suck. So we've never actually seen these two. Did you mean that as a pun? Oh, no. That's really... I didn't mean it as a pun. I know, but yet... Be a bad pun. Now it has to live there. Now you did that. Hey, how's it going? You're a dickhead. What was that in? I read it in something. Hey, how's it going? You're a dickhead? No. No, no, no. That particular turn of phrase. I don't know. I just had never seen it in print before, and I remember showing it to you and being like, look, somebody else uses this. It looked weird in print. I think it was British. We've never actually seen these two interact. Uh, Supposedly, back in the day, Dracula and Spike would went out gambling and Dracula owes him some money. It's not actually mentioned, and it's a little bit strange that these two act like they just know each other, like it's been a while. Yeah, also Dracula is significantly older than Spike. There was an IDW miniseries, Spike vs. Dracula, but we don't count it as canon, so we didn't cover it. So there you go. And don't think that it happened. And Dracula asked to be shown to his accommodations. Which turned out to be Xander's apartment. When did they part ways? Xander and Don's apartment. Because... Dracula shows up and he's like, what is this terrible hovel? Calls it wretched. Oh, what is this wretched hovel? And we find out that that's where Don and Xander are living. What did they part ways? Why did Dracula go off and just go to a random beach? I don't know. Why did Xander go home and not be like, let's go find Buffy? Also, why is Xander wearing those pants? They're like red plaid. He's in his pajama pants on. Okay. It's nighttime. He just left Dracula on a beach. Went home, only for Dracula to follow him there ten minutes later. And Baby Giles is there too, so is Baby Giles staying there too? Is this like a full house? Also, where is everybody living is my real question. We'll find out later. Okay. So Willow and Giles immediately 
turn their magics upon Dracula because they want to try to figure out what he knows about all of this situation with the new vampires, how he originally got his fancy powers, and kind of what the deal was. And basically, the short answer is he used the think method. He thought that he was these things, and then it came to pass. The magic was inside of him all along. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen um, The Music Man? Yeah. So that's The Music Man. He uses the think method. That's where that comes from. And so his method of teaching kids how to play instruments is you have to think really hard about it. It's called the think method. Yeah, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. But that's what Dracula uses here. But we do have, I'm going to call it a glaring continuity error. It's not glaring, it's super minor. A minor continuity error. But hey, that's what, what I'm here for. Here. <laughs> I don't do you do that? No. Have you been like, is this how this went down? No, I just assume that I'm wrong every time. Which is what the book wants you to do. Dracula says to Giles, you're the Englishman, the watcher. I recognize the scent of your blood. You've shrunk. Hey, guess who's never met? You're not guessing. Is it Giles and Dracula? You're right. It's Giles and Dracula. Weird. Well, okay. So here's my thing. You are all miffed because they never met that you saw. But you know what? They've both lived long lives, so I wouldn't be that shocked if they met other times. No. Dracula's no, been around. Just straight up, straight up no. Yeah. Dra- Giles Kulak. Is that their couple name? In the season five premiere, Buffy vs. Dracula, his first and only TV presence, Giles never met him. He went to Dracula's mansion, and then his harpies tried to orgy Giles up, and then Riley is like, no orgies for you. Okay, but why is... It impossible that Giles has not met Dracula in the time since that moment. Unless he dropped off Xander for Xander's summer vacation away from the Tales of the Vampire thing. Also, what a weird study abroad program. Two. He's like, don't you eat this sad boy. If Giles was in Dracula's house, then shouldn't Dracula be able to smell Giles' blood? I mean, I guess he could smell his blood, but he never saw him. And then Dracula went to Japan and Giles was off in England and Germany with Faith, trying to find the scythe that Buffy had all along. I don't know. It doesn't work. It's just, it's a minor continuity error. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. But I'm gonna point it out. Well. And really dwell on it. Yep. Much longer than it deserves. Far longer. Moving along. So Dracula goes along and tells the story of how he got his powers. And like I said, it's with the think method. He basically was like, was in a time of the old ones and I wanted to be more powerful. And so I thought I was, and then I was. He says it took decades, but basically he's like, yeah, I wanted it. I wanted it. And so I became it, which when does that work? But I guess the idea is that Dracula has a stronger will than most beings. And then it turns out willpower is kind of important right now because they determine that through everybody's willpower in all the world, when they think about vampires, they think about Dracula. So now the common perception of vampires is what the new magic rules are. They think about a Dracula and bam, all the vampires are Draculas now, except sunlight Draculas. I was gonna say, that's the thing that trips me up is that I don't know what vampire is fine in the sun. Blade. Blade. It's a Marvel character. Oh, well, of course I don't know who Blade is then. He's a half-vampire. What do you call that? They call him a daywalker. That's a dumb name. That's a dumb name. Because it just makes me think of a nightwalker. I think his first appearance was... Which then makes me think of a lady of the night. So I think it's a lady (laughs) of the night during the day named Blade. That is the image in my brain. In all fairness, I think he showed his first appearance was in Tomb of Dracula. Well, I'm less concerned about that and more concerned about the image that's in my head. So, moving along. Dracula says, hey... You know what? We should go get one of these new sunlight vampires, these daywalkers, if you will. Terrible. Terrible. And you should go grab one so we can interrogate them. Buffy, Willow, 
Why don't you go do that? And they're like, sounds like a great idea. The most powerful you people here. You all hang here. out here and we'll be right back. And Buffy will have a little moment where they're like, we love each other. We haven't been really together in a long time. We love each other. Yeah, Buffy repeats her sad Dowling story that Dowling is fine not being with her. And She's Will- like, how dare he? I am Buffy. Yeah. And Buffy's like, how's your love life? Are you going to go find your snake lady? She's like, no, that ended weird. She tried to trap me with magic wine and cute octopuses. So really, octopi? Octopi. You're just not answering that? I guess not. Okay, cool. I was looking at the art compared to the script. They're having a very normal conversation, but because it's a comic book, they have to be flying and like swinging through the city. And like and picking up roses and like putting them behind their ears. and Yeah. And they agree that things are getting back to normal and they might be fine. Horny and frustrated, but fine. Famous last words. How? How is this famous last words? Because Dracula betrays them all. Oh, it's like that would be a terrible epithet. <laughs> or the best one. That's <laughs> what I want mine to be. <laughs> huh. Well, there you go. I don't know what to do with that. And back in Xander and Dawn's apartment, they've covered up all of Xander's windows with blankets and towels to keep the sunlight out. What does that make you think of? Oh, Jared. Yes. <laughs> Did that not pop into your head immediately? Oh, yeah. Okay. I used to mock him mercilessly. I know. For all of his towel curtains. And the Red Sox blanket. Yes. And Dracula returns with his new manservant, Andrew. And I love Andrew's line. He's become a, the replacement for Xander. He goes, ugh, Xander, you have my admiration. Someone is high maintenance. <laughs> like that dracula is unashamedly high maintenance and just lives with it he just rolls with it dracula questions giles about the book he's like so hey if new rules of magic are being written have you just tried writing down a rule and they're like no who knows what will happen if we touch the book of magic well they're like oh that actually might work maybe we should try writing in the book but giles is like let's not and then for no one can have that power and xander hits him in the back of the head with a big book because Dracula but with a different big book. has retaken over Xander's brain. He's under the thrall. Right. And we find out that Andrew was never really under the thrall. He just more wanted to be under the thrall than he was. He's a fanboy. He is. But Xander is weak-willed enough that he could easily be controlled. So he's back under the thrall. He takes the vampire book, hits Giles over the head with it. Gives it to Dracula, and the two of them run away together. Well, Spike emerges from another room where he's apparently been sleeping. I guess this is everyone's apartment now. How many rooms are there in this apartment? It's a big apartment. How many beds? And Andrew is a character that I think I said before, like, he's probably the hardest character to get the voice down for. I think people struggle the most getting him down, but this is the most perfect of Andrew lines. It's so Andrew. Dracula's made a heel turn. He played us quite brilliantly. <laughs> That's 100% Andrew. It really is. I also really appreciate that Andrew has dressed like Dracula through this whole scene. So he's wearing like the white gloves and everything. It's just really charming. And Spike attacks Dracula. He's like, how dare you take this book? So Xander grabs Spike from behind and Dracula just stabs him with a sword. Yeah, like runs him through. Luckily, he's a vampire, so he's fine. Spike is going to get stabbed a lot this season. Poor Spike. Like a lot. Poor Spike. And so... Like, a lot. Dracula and Xander are escaping out the fire escape with the vampire book. And Andrew's like, Dawn, you have to do something. Get Xander to stay. Tell him you love him. So she does. And Xander just stops and turns back and looks at her and says, no, you don't. And then he keeps going with his master. 
And it is heartbreaking. That was the saddest part. Yeah. Of like literally everything in this. And Buffy and Willow show up with a new vampire. They're like, we got one. And they're like, why is Spike bleeding on the floor? And why is Giles unconscious? I didn't even notice that before. It's such an old trope. Giles was knocked unconscious. <laughs> it's back, baby. Giles gets hit in the head. Oh, what a... Tr- I, never- I love that you get new joy out of this every time that you read it. I didn't notice that old trope was back. Was that great, Cordelia Lane? One of these days you're going to wake up in a coma. Poor Giles. Buffy rushes in to check on Spike. She's like, you were stabbed. He's like, very aware of that. Big hole in me, thanks. He's like, I'm I'm healing, I guess. I'm going to have a bunch more of these holes in me this season. Don't you worry about it. And they're like, oh, I guess we don't need to interrogate this vampire anymore. So Willow lets him go and Buffy kills him immediately. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for the vampire, except it's a vampire, so whatever. And we find out that... We find out where somebody's living. We find out the Dracula is living in a very fancy hotel. And Xander somehow is back in a tux as his manservant. With a cummerbund. As one would. And Xander's concerned that they're in this big fancy hotel and they're going to get caught in Dracula. Like, Dracula doesn't hide in your tiny apartment. I stay in this fancy place. And Dracula admits something to Xander. He's like, I'm not actually this young and hot. And so Dracula transforms into his real self, which is this very old Gandalf-like man. Which we saw in Tales of the Vampire, or possibly Tales of the Slayer. I can never remember which one is which. It must be Tales of the Vampire, because there's not really a Slayer in it. I guess. Except for Buffy and all the Slayers. Maybe it's Tales of the Slayer. I don't know. I feel like it's about I, I mix them up all the time. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. So, we see Dracula's true appearance, which is not great. It's rather old. I do like Xander's description. <laughs> Dracula's like, what do you see? Wrinkles and age, spots everywhere, deep crow's feet, the nose of an alcoholic sea captain. Wow, I didn't even realize full body rosacea existed. Poor Dracula. And so he's like, that's that's quite enough of that. So write in your fancy book there. That Dracula is young and hot again. And... Which for a rule of magic? It's not really a rule of magic. Well, I mean, that's kind of what Lavinia and Sophie did. I guess. But they cast spells. They weren't like... Write it in your <laughs> book of rules. The rule is that Dracula will always be young and hot. Rule number one hot <laughs> rule number two young i like how you put hot before young anyway so <laughs> i don't know the <laughs> short answer is xander writes it in the book and it sticks dracula is now young and hot and he looks better than he has ever looked without any sort of glamours upon him and so many abs he's wearing a robe that's mostly shut you can't really see are you imagining them now yeah just thinking about dracula abs okay there you go so everybody's like, this isn't great back at the apartment. They're like, we should probably do something. Well, continuity. Yeah. Rearing its ugly head again. Well, whatever. Give me a sec here. Let me have my moment. My moment of when poking. When am I ever like, don't have your moment? My moment of let's poke holes in a thing. Okay. Again, unnecessary, overdrawn, overblown. Keep going. Detracts entirely. Derails, rather. Does both. <laughs> Willow and Giles are trying to do a divination spell together, basically a magical GPS thing. And Willow goes, hey, it's okay, don't give up. Divination spells take patience and focus. You taught me that, remember? Willow learned this with Tara in season four. Giles wasn't there. And then she did it with Anya. Mm. No Giles. She's also done it by herself. And again, I'm going to go with the fact that off screen, things could have happened. No, her first time doing it was with Tara. Yeah, but It was a big Giles- deal. Giles might have helped her refine No, it later because on. then they figured it out together later because Tara was trying to hide it because it's like, show us all the demons. And then Tara messed up the spell because she thought she was a demon. But she wasn't. She just had Amy Adams being her cousin. Oh, yeah. Before she was famous. Well, there you go. Amy Adams is also in Friends. Didn't know that. Learned a thing. 
So anyway. So now that I've spent too much time on that one brief moment of continuity. Um, everybody's like, we've really got to fix this whole vampire book situation because it's a really terrible idea to leave Dracula in charge of writing all of the rules for what vampires can do. And everyone else. Yep. And they're like, the bigger problem is where does one find a Dracula? So while this magical spell isn't working as the rules have yet to be established, Buffy and Spike go out to bars to start punching people and they bring Dawn because Dawn is angry. Yeah, Dawn has some anger issues. Like she gets real mad. Like this is scary Dawn. She has a crossbow like in a demon's face interrogating him. And they don't find out any information and Dawn is very, very upset about this. So Buffy follows her into like a kitchen, the kitchen of whatever bar this is. And she's like, what's up here, Donnie? Because, like, things are not their usual jovial self with you. Buffy makes a TV reference. To? Your favorite show ever. Where? What's with you going all Heisenberg in yoga pants? Oh, yeah, I don't like that show. I thought you actually meant my favorite show. I was like, where does she make a Gilmore Girls reference? Nah. Buffy watches Breaking Bad, apparently. Well, that makes one of us. You watched every episode. But I didn't enjoy it. (laughs) Not one episode. Somehow we got to the end of that. Uh-huh. Don't know why. Because one of us is a completionist, and the other one would have happily left it after the first episode. Ah. Ah. And we have kind of an emotional moment for Don, and she goes, I don't love Xander anymore. And it's not because of who he is or anything that he's done. It's because when I was brought back from the edge of fading away, I kind of went back to the factory reset. And so every emotion that Dawn has felt in her life, which Dawn has not had a long life anyway because of the whole key thing. But anyway, all of the emotions that Dawn previously felt are now coming back to her immediately. So all of the events that happened to her in her previous, whatever it is, 20 years, they're all coming back to her right now. So Joyce's death is really fresh in her mind. Dawn says that she remembers everything that happened being with Xander, falling in love with him, but she didn't feel it. She says it's like she watched a movie of herself. Yeah, and she's going back to her original emotions. And it, I imagine they're going a little bit faster than like regular time, but she's kind of catching up emotionally to where she is now. So she's feeling everything like it's the very first time. And so for her, her mother died almost immediately after she was born into existence. So she's feeling like grief for the death of her mother and hasn't established feelings for Xander yet. So yeah. Dawn is in a weird place. Yeah. Like, she still has her current maturity, but none of the experiences to back it up. Right. She has all of the memories, but they're memories like they happen to somebody else. And so poor Dawn is all sorts of a mess, and she's just trying to cope. And meanwhile, we're still trying to figure out where Dracula is, but Dracula's not really keeping it a secret because... Xander wrote a new rule in the book that said that Dracula will be the lord and master of all vampires. And so, Bar none. all of the vampires, most of the vampires, seem to have an idea where Dracula is in this fancy hotel. So they're all coming up to his room to pay homage to the Lord and Master Vampire. They're mostly there to kiss his hand and give him some wine or some blood. But one of them is not, or two of them, rather. They attack Dracula because they figure out that if they kill Dracula, then they become the Dracula. It's like Highlander. I know you haven't seen it. Moving on. Oh. Well, no, because I read all the Outlander books, so it's kind of like Outlander too. So that's why I was more confused. But yes, I also didn't read all the Outlander books. I read some of the Outlander books. They're very long. But everybody's like, (coughs) how do we find Dracula? I wish there was somebody who could tell us where Dracula was. And all of a sudden, Spike is like, I don't even care where Dracula, my lord and master, is. 
And then he just like hits himself the part. He's like, ah, damn it, he's messing with the book, isn't he? And they're like, use Spike like a bloodhound. Away, Spike! Yeah, and Spike happily leads them right to... Find your daddy vampire. Everybody in, you know, the fancy hotel suite. And Dracula is kind of upset as well because he did not like the other vampires attacking him. He really wanted to come up with a new rule that made it so that it wouldn't be... In the issue. one who kills the king becomes the king kind of thing. Well, he just doesn't want to die. So him and Xander come up with the plan, a new rule in the book that says Dracula became the most powerful vampire of all. To keep things nice and short and sweet and simple, leave no room for any loopholes and just... Misinterpretations. Yep, that that is as clear as we can get, except... Yeah, except. Xander writes it down and Dracula immediately starts freaking out. Lightning is crackling. Things are happening inside the hotel suite just as... And inside of his body. Yeah. He's like writhing in pain right now. Buffy and co. arrive to find a bunch of vampires outside. So they fight their way in. And on their way in, Dawn gets concerned about Willow using all this magic. She's like, you're not going to become Dark Willow, are you? She's like, no, that's not a thing. And Andrew's like, you're a trope. She's like, I'm not a trope. It's like, I'd kill to be a trope. Yeah, Andrew, Andrew would kill to be a trope. And I also really enjoyed that Andrew moment. I thought that was really well written. And Spike says that he's able to fight back against this because he has a soul. He doesn't need to worry about his lord and ma- <laughs> gets all mad. God damn it. I know. That's the funny part is that for some reason Spike seems to be relatively immune to the mind control except for that one little issue. Yeah. That he can't say Dracula without saying my lord and master right after it. Which is kind of charming. I really wish that Dracula forever was known as Dracula, the Lord and Master. And poor Giles. He's attacking a vampire with a relatively low-cut shirt. It's like, I suggest we use... A lady vampire. Yes. That's important to note. I suggest a spell of cleavage. Cleaving! I mean cleaving! He's so embarrassed. Poor, poor Giles. But then they kill her. So life is good. And they all run in and, in a weird moment, Buffy gives Andrew a major job. She's like, go to Xander, get the book, and get out of here. That's like the most important thing. And she gave the job to Andrew. I think it's because nobody really goes after Andrew. So Buffy is going to draw most of the fighting attention. And so Andrew can kind of slip in and grab it. That's my thought. And he's like, what if Xander won't let me have it? And Willow just says, don't be violent. Just talk to him. That's how he got through me when I went all dark. Damn it. Look how everyone's just getting upset at these little things. Little dark Willow thing. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I feel like we've used dark Willow a lot previously to this. And so... I just think it's funny that the person that Willow's really engaging with the idea of Dark Willow as a trope. They kick down the door to find that Dracula is transforming into something. Some kind of giant vampire bat thing and Xander doesn't know what's happening. And more importantly, Xander can't seem to reverse the words that he put into the book. He can't cross them out. He can't write over them. He can't write a new version of them. Andrew runs over and they both come up with the same idea at the same time. Or more the same realization. That it's a monkey's paw. And it comes with sodium benzoate. What? Doing a Simpsons reference. Well, there you go. That's bad. What? Nothing. I just kept going with it. Okay. Keep going. Sorry, I can't help it. Monkey's paw. Someone got it. Someone laughed. I hope. One person. I'm sure. Oh, you mean among the listenership? I was like, it wasn't me, but I hope that somebody in this world gets it. I'm sure it's the person who gave us a three-star review on iTunes. (laughs) Why'd you bring that up? Made me sad. Sorry, guys. We try our best. Eh, it's not true. I do. Yeah. I try my best. Anyway. But Xander complains. He's like, I thought it was simple and straightforward. And Giles is just so pissed. He's like, with enough room for interpretation to drive a truck through. Because it's very clear that Dracula is transforming into a, a creature of some sort. So Andrew tries to grab the book, grabs the feather that they're writing with. Just get a pen. It's a quill pen. I know. 
It is a pen. Dracula likes to write letters with it. And Andrew tries something obvious. He goes, and suddenly Dracula's transformation was undone, because this is a storybook and not a rule book, and the book shoots the ink in Andrew's face. Yeah, it like spits back what it doesn't like, which I find charming. Xander says the book doesn't like retcons. Is that a, a reference to something? No, I don't think so. Okay. If it is, I missed it. Well, I just know that the new stuff kind of retconned the IDW stuff. Not really. A little bit. They just kind of ignored it. Yeah. More anyway. than anything. Like Angel into Hell one time, that's all you need to know. Other details are unimportant. Andrew tries again. Then Dracula woke up and it had all been a dream. And again, the book spits the ink back at him. Because, because it doesn't like cliches. Yeah. And I always get kind of a kick out of almost this fourth wall breaking from the writer. And Giles is yelling, he's like, are you going to do anything? And Andrew's like, I'm trying. It's really hard to write under this kind of pressure. You're ruining my creative flow. Just like stuff like that. I do like the writer references. Negative reinforcement does not help my creativity. Oh, one of them's like, never trust a writer. Dracula said that. Yeah. About Bram Stoker. Dawn comes up with a kind of weird idea. She's like, maybe we can figure out what's happening through Dracula and Xander's mental link. Xander, look inside of his brain. Yeah, I didn't know that Xander could do that. Fun, fun thing. New rules. Turns out he can. And what he sees is the world before Dracula became the lord and master of all vampires. He's seeing the time of the old ones when they walked the world and there were still some humans running around. A.K.A. food. Yeah. And he sees inside Dracula's brain that seems to be going back further than Dracula. Seemingly going back to the first vampire being turned. And who might that first vampire be? Did we just learn about it? We did. We did. We're going back to the OG, baby. And who's the OG vampire? Malachor. I can't believe I just said that on a recording. Ah, it's stuck forever. Boo. But anyway, Dracula turns into Malachor in case you kind of missed it in that whole little spiel. Yeah, because Malachor is the most powerful vampire, and that's the only tiny hole he needed to return, because you can't really kill an old one. Let's just keep hammering that in. Yeah. I think Illyria's dead forever. Probably. Yeah. So anyway, we're now stuck with Malachor. 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 Doesn't it need an ear? Malachor. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Malachor. I like Malachor better. It sounds better. It's easier to say. And so we end up with Malachor. And Dracula is gone. He is no more. And they're in the fancy hotel suite still. So Malachor is a much smaller size than he was in the deeper well because he's kind of like a gas. He fits the space that is available. And they decide to get bigger. A lot bigger. Like, bigger than the building's bigger. So then we find that Giles and Andrew and Xander have stolen the vampire book, and Xander is slowly returning to himself. And as he returns to himself, Ghost Anya returns. Yay, Ghost Anya. Because now that Dracula's out of his head, Anya can be back in it. Which, like, busy place. And she starts telling Xander to figure this crap out real fast because it's all his fault. His friends are going to die, his master's going to die, and then everyone can be a ghost that haunts his ass. Yeah, because I guess Dracula is very difficult to kill. I mean, Buffy staked him a couple of times. Yeah, but he just comes back from that. But that he can be actually totally consumed by Malachar if Malachar actually gets his life together. And they decide what they're going to do is they're going to stake this giant Malachar using the Redwood Investment Group building. But this Redwood Investment building isn't actually made of wood. It's nice and pointy. And if they can bless it, it can become a holy object and kill Malachar. Right. So Willow grabs the nearest Priest. priest. Yeah, she grabs a priest. And she... Brings him over to just bless that real quick. Yeah. And he's like, this is very unorthodox. And she's like, I'm a Jewish witch. So just do it real quick before I drop you. 
And there's only one way to fight a giant monster the size of a building. You make another person also a giant. It's the Godzilla rule. The military can't get him. So we need another giant thing. So who else has been giant among our friends? Don. Yeah, but again, Don, this is like her watching a movie of herself being giant, so she's kind of reliving this for the first time, but whatever. Yeah. Dawn turns into a giant and she has it out with the very first vampire in downtown San Francisco. And it doesn't go super well for Dawn. Like, she does okay. Her job really is to draw Malaker over to this newly holyized stake. And right before Malaker is about to kill Dawn, Buffy and Spike were riding on his head, stab him in the eyes so he goes blind. And while he's temporarily, you know, blinded, Dawn stakes him using a building and then turns back into a tiny lady. Yeah, so Don goes back to being a normal human, and Malachor is... Returned to Dracula. Yeah. Who then immediately starts to turn back into Malachor. Not helpful. This is a terrible, terrible cycle. Dracula's also naked, I didn't notice that. Because it makes sense, but weird. Yeah. Right before he's about to transform again, Xander gets an idea. In the book he writes, Dracula's awesome willpower gave him the strength to fight off Malachor and give up the new powers he'd acquired. Over everybody. And Dracula's normal again. But also that everybody that Dracula had power over is free as well, a.k.a. Xander. And all the vampires. Yeah, and all the vampires, but basically Xander genied himself. Yeah, a little bit. And a new to Dracula thanks them for their help, says that he's not going to mess around with the book, thanks Xander for being his buddy, and thinks that Xander should keep in touch more. Yeah, because Dracula likes to write letters, but Xander doesn't like to, and that's sad. That needs to be resolved. And he goes away into the night, calling it even Steven. You also know, a great show. Never saw it once. Well, that's your own fault. It was after my time. I don't think it was. I was think it? you were old for your time. And we return to Xander's apartment, noted as just Xander's apartment, not foreboding for what's going to happen in the next couple of pages. Nope. And they don't know what to do. They're like, what do we do with this magical book? Are we going to just make up a bunch of rules? Do we give it to someone? And speak of the devil, to Hoffman shows up. He's like, ooh, give it to me. Yeah. Toffern's like, I have a council, so like my whole council could write on it, I guess. And they say... No, we hate you. Also, we don't want to give a vengeance demon the power to control all the magic in the world. So we're going to write the rules deal that he's like, will you at least heed our counsel? Buffy's like, like lobbyists? Yeah, sure. It doesn't mean we're going to do what you say, though. And Xander goes, hey, DeHoffring, you got a quick second? Because, you know, do you remember my buddy Anya slash your buddy Anya? She's kind of back in ghost form hanging out with me. He's like, I don't see her. And once she died as a human, she should have gone off for her eternal reward, so... Something's messed up here. I'll look into it to Hoffern out. And Anya suggests that Xander go talk to Don. Stop hanging out with his dead ex-girlfriend and go deal with his soon-to-be-alive ex-girlfriend. Not her words, but, you know. Not soon-to-be-alive. His alive, soon-to-be ex-girlfriend. Oh, uh, yeah. Words. Other way around. <laughs> so, they do. They go and have a conversation. And basically, Don tells Xander what she told Buffy, that she no longer is in love with Xander, although Xander is still very much in love with her. She just doesn't have those feelings anymore because she didn't live those experiences. And they're not breaking up, but they're on a break. Friends. I didn't do it. They did it. And they're like, we're on a mutually agreed break. And then they make out. Because that's how all (laughs) breaks go, I guess. And then we cut to outside the apartment where Buffy and Spike have been watching this like a couple of weirdos. I know. Real creepy, Buffy. Also, Buffy's hair is really short. I don't remember it being this short in anything prior to this arc. I don't know why I didn't mention this earlier. We're like three pages away from the end of the arc, but... No, she did suddenly get short hair. She's kind of had a... In this last issue, really, it's 
It got real short. Kind of it doesn't look bad. It just doesn't really match the rest of her hair. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just noticed it no, in no, the panel, true. especially. And Spike's like, we all have a long road together. We're all back and it's all going to be fine. Unless we all get killed by all the people who are going to want that book. But nobody will ever find out, right? And Buffy's like, shut up. Let's just go kill some things. And thus ends the premiere of season 10. Not a bad start. No, I liked it. It certainly grabbed me more than the um, season 9 premiere did. It also feels like we're moving forward versus sticking in the season 8 world, which is nice. Yeah, honestly, this feels more like it has found its footing than season 9 did all the way up until the very end of it. So Yeah, hey, that's good. Um, Good for them. We know we like this creative team. Well, with the addition of Nicholas Brendan, to be honest, I'm not quite sure what his involvement was across the board. I'll try and look into it. I think he mostly was there to help guide the Xander story, but I... Which is pretty big in this. Like, I... I'm... Yeah, and Xander plays a big role throughout the season. He was part of, um... The, I know he went to the writer Summit. Like, they have a summit before every season to basically plan everything out ahead of time before it all goes into the scripting phase. That makes perfect and, sense. And he was part of that. But he was getting a scripting credit. So, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I say that as the guy who should be able to tell you that. Do it next time. Sorry. Should have planned ahead. We'll have a... We'll have a little, uh retcon ourselves in here mm. what does that even stand for i don't really know what that means i just kind of use it sometimes retroactive continuity that's a silly word that's why it's just called a retcon that's all all the silly things put together yeah overall i like it it very much feels like a premiere which is it's, you know you kind of got to it does but i liked it i liked bringing all the people back together i liked seeing cameos from faith and from kennedy and then sending them away again it also feels a little more streamlined, like we're not dealing with the massive cast of an entire army, and we're not dealing with everyone being split up and sad like we were in season nine. Like, we're just kind of back to a pretty decent place altogether. Not a bad place to be. Yeah, we're almost back to somewhat of the status quo of the TV show, in a way. Like, well, Buffy is slaying vampires. And has all of her friends around her, and not a bunch of extra randos. Yeah, exactly. But we'll be back next week to talk about someone being mopey. Is it Angel? It's Angel. Well, there you go. That's what he does. Speaking of things that feel familiar. Yay for Angel. But if you want to find the show, you can go to editorsnotecomics.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you want to get the show a week early, patreon.com slash editorsnotecomics. One dollar a month will get you us every single week early in the <laughs> month. I really fell apart there. You really did. And if you go over to iTunes, if you could throw a rating and a review our way, it would help make the show more visible. We've been climbing the ranks a little bit. A couple of people have been sneaking in some stars here and there. It's nice. I appreciate it. Thank you. Helps. Yeah. I want to be more visible. And I like hearing from people. That too. If you want to reach the show, you can do it at editorsnotecomics at gmail.com. But we'll be back next week. We already said it's Angel. It's kind of how the show goes. We do Buffy, we do an Angel. I was going to say, it's pretty... <laughs> the format. Pretty much after the IDW stuff, that's been what happens. They've got a lot cleaner. So anyway, we'll talk to you about Angel then. And Faith. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.